Welcome to the Evidence-Based Therapist, where we read so you don't have to. Here you'll find clinicians and researchers discussing cutting-edge research from the embodied relational sciences, explaining why and how people work together to find healing. Thanks for checking out this podcast. The Evidence-Based Therapist is a project of Think Beyond, a listener-funded media house focused on connecting humans through therapy and art. To keep this podcast going, we'd love for you to support us on Patreon by searching patreon.com slash thinkbeyondhealing in your favorite web browser. And don't forget to check out our new merch by going to our website at connectbeyondhealing.com and clicking on the merchandise tab. Welcome, Welcome back to, to the evidence based thing. No, not yet. Sorry. That's not the unison part. Not yet. Sorry. I was, was going to try to match what you were saying. <laughs> I liked it. I liked the intention. There was, a, there was an intentional uh, and intended attunement. Do you want to start and then. Oh, see, this is good. This is giving voice and choice to the attunement. <laughs> I like voice and choice. We just had a whole SIP trade about this. I say that all the time. Uh, no, you can do your part, but when we get to the punchline, I'll join. We'll jo- you'll join in? Yeah, yeah. Hey, welcome back to the Evidence-Based Therapist, where we read so you don't have to, but we would love it if you did, period. I think that might have been the best one. That was pretty one. good. And we even had like some prosodic harmony. harmony. Yeah. You spend enough time together, you're yeah. probably going to find it. Your vocal cords are just going to start sinking. Yep. Nailing you're like, it. I know where he's going. <laughs> I'll and match go it. Up high C. Yep. <laughs> I know nothing about <laughs> I was a drummer. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a nightmare oh. to have perfect pitch. Mm. Yeah. It's a new guy in college that had it and he basically couldn't listen to any like group of people singing. That sounds so bad. Yeah. He was the, uh, our singers like <clears throat> director. He played piano to a company and then mm. did some vocal, uh, teaching as yeah. well and you could just see it when he was playing the piano he would like make super <laughs> like he's oh, like ouch really that hurts. yeah just like sopranos whoa like <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> it's kind of hard to have him in rehearsals because he would like insist on stopping just like bang, like he just hit the piano Be like are you making this note are you singing this this is right. Yeah, your gift becomes a source of stress. It's your greatest. Sounds curse. like a strategy. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. There's therapy. There's some OCD <laughs> in him, from my observation. <laughs> Not clinically back diagnosing. Then, back then, you don't even know who it is. So I don't even know him. <laughs> Honestly, all I had was that experience <laughs> over the course of four years. So <laughs> a lot of time repeated. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of time for pattern recognition. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of strategies that turn into potential curses, uh, let's talk about some more presents. <laughs> let's talk about presents. The good and the, uh, the light two. and the dark. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Part two. Part two this week, whatever week we're posting and recording. But yeah, part two this week. Um, just a reminder, a refresher, we're doing... The Therapeutic Presence, Therapist's Experience of Presence in the Psychotherapy Encounter by good old Geller and Greenberg. Geller and Greenberg. Uh, what was the date? 2011? Yep. 
Mm. Wait, that was a republish. That was a published date. Yeah, twenty two or two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So last week we got into the juicy discussion of prepping the ground. Yep. Which is what does it mean to? And then one thing I just love that that's even a part of this article is like I was thinking actually on the drive in about that concept of prepping the ground feels like it speaks so deeply to my like felt experience of a very sciencey concept that we've talked about on the podcast, the good old default mode network Mm. that can just roll from one thing to the next, but doesn't even realize that it's carrying the same stuff through. And this idea of presencing feels so important in prep preparation because I, I want to be careful what parts of me I'm taking into the next client Mm. that are still me, but not from the last and your default mode network is going to want to hold all of it and say, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Whereas accurate presencing is this sort of like, can I, I use the language a lot with clients of like, can I timestamp the experience Yeah, and open up to a new one following? I like the timestamp idea a lot. And one of the, parts of our conversation on the last episode that I really enjoyed is that depending on your worldview mm-hmm. of something like countertransference and transference or intersubjectivity preparation is going to change. And the authors of the article, um, there's some interesting language that one of the burdens of written description of a model is that you really can't hear like the emphasis or tone or the implications necessarily of some of these things, because the way they describe that idea of timestamping that you're talking about is that it's kind of like a, who I am is in service of the client I'm sitting in front of. And I'm going to actively work to either symbolically represent what I want to carry forward from the session out or outside of the session or kind of turn it off bracket 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 it away and be here in the present moment. I'm curious, like Caleb, with your language of time stamping, like how do you feel that goes Mm. from time to time? Yeah. Well, I'll speak to the immediacy of you just giving that reflection. I, I started to wonder if there's a difference between the time stamping that involves like remembered acknowledgement what i'm talking about and what can also be this bracketing dissociative experience yes which is an interesting um i feel like as i set that up i have to also nuance it a ton yeah because there are times where maybe in therapy you experience something so big that you have to dissociate in order to keep going on with clients, the next clients or the next meeting or whatever. Yeah. And so it's, it's adaptable to our nervous system for a reason. And can we name it and acknowledge it and carry it with us in a sort of remembered dissociation, which is sort of like a paradoxical oxymoron experience. Some of the approximations Mm -hmm. that we talked about last episode that those, I love that language because I feel like it gives us at least some structure to start to have, I know we joked about it 
earlier, but voice and choice, <laughs> like yeah. to have voice and choice in the degree of dissociation and, or presencing mm-hmm. that we're doing with our lived experience outside of the room and what comes up during the session. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and, and this gets really into metaphorical language, but, and I feel like <laughs> we have a whole training trying to conceptualize this, but like if I <clears throat> dissociate without remembering from session to session so that I'm trying to do this bracketing experience of letting every client get a new me essentially, um, or a, a fresh me, if you will, if I don't remember the dissociation, I can, it may be that a part of me that would be really valuable for the current client has been left behind in a session of the past. Um, and that, <clears throat> that feels like it becomes so important to understanding the complexity of bracketing or putting away our expectations or, or letting past sessions be last sessions. Yeah. Um, in the slew of seeing multiple clients over, um, multiple hours. Um, I don't know. I, I think my brain goes to many different directions of like bracketing is, is much more nuanced and, and to read charitably to, uh, Geller and Greenberg, like they feel like they have enough back and forth, like pendulation of dialectics between like, and we'll talk about this in today, but like attuning to yourself and being open to the other, like, mm-hmm. um, being receptive to the other receptive to yourself. Like feels like they're, they're feeling through this tension of presence. And I would hope I would read that back into bracketing that, that hopefully they're not talking about structural unremembered dissociation yeah, <laughs> um, or functional. Unremembered. <laughs> Which that is, yeah, it's not addressed in that language at all no, no, in the session. So we're kind of reading between the lines, but some of the implications I think do warrant those questions. It's interesting yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I want to just read for the, the context of this episode, just one brief definition that they give earlier on in the article. Therapeutic presence is defined as bringing one's whole self to the engagement with the client and being fully in the moment with and for the client with little self-centered purpose or goal in mind. Yeah. I feel like that's like, <laughs> I feel like Caleb, maybe five years ago, six years ago would have read that and been so jacked. Just like, hell yeah. I would have underlined it. My margins would have been filled Yeah, with just more like, I think like positive feedback. Well, yeah, there's a lot of hope in that. Totally. And then I, I don't know if I'm not, it's not that I've become pessimistic, but I just like, I think I understand the nuance of what they're saying. Well, the so much more. Yeah. And like the, the implications of the sentiments represented in that passage. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you can't just say that. No, that's crazy. (laughs) That doesn't tell me anything. (laughs) And also what happens when life is the way that it is or that a session goes the way it does. Yeah. 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 Mm. It is curious. Mm. Which is why I appreciate them taking on such a research task. Yeah. Because it is a very hard thing to talk about. Yeah. Especially when the purpose of the research was to explore presence in relation to successful client outcomes, Mm. like showing 
the real weight of what presence will mean and what will happen or what it would mean if presence wasn't there. Yeah. And that's, that's a tough kind of dynamic to explore and the way that they proposed through the research, a, a model, so to speak, is what we foreshadowed last episode and what we'll talk about today is that if you're going to take apart the implications and complexities of that essential component to effective therapy being presence, then maybe we could talk about it through preparation, process, and experience. Mm-hmm. And so we alluded in the conclusion of last episode a bit to what preparing the ground or that preparation element looks like. And it was pre-session and in life yeah, way like before you're ever even in the room with a client. Um, and today we might pick up a little bit on that and then hopefully get to process and experience yeah. of yeah. presence. Yeah. Cause really like um, I'll sp- spoil it for both of us and also the listeners like, my main question walking away from this article was like, if this is what um, to these researchers is presencing, um, which like we could add so many different language words and all sorts of different things. But if this is presence in one way, yeah, what's the blind spot that I have? What's the blind spot that, you know, in my work doing consultation with other therapists, what's the blind spot that I see? And then in counselor ed and counselor counselors as a profession, what is our blind spot to presencing? Do you want to uh, talk about that now or do you want to get to let's get through the two okay, uh, or the three. And then... I will, I will just because I think it's important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not going to give my full answer. Uh, I'm just saying you're going to give a, a teaser, <clears throat> a teaser trailer. Number one, just a little bit. Yeah. Is, is around the idea of wholeness. Hmm. What do you mean when you talk about one's whole self mm. to the space between the client and the therapist? Because that seems to be in contradiction or there are just some really important conversations to be had when you then talk about bracketing yeah. or talk about you know having the presence of a, a, a transparent but clear space for the whole process of therapy yeah. to unfold in yeah. like those seem to be contradictions. They might be a dialectic, which I'm Love open it. to. Yeah. But that's what I'm curious about. For sure. Yeah. Cause when you read that definition, I'd, I think like I would venture to guess maybe uh, this is a shot in the dark, but like at least half counselor eds counselor counseling teachers in mm-hmm. universities would look at that definition and maybe say yes, but also have a lot of like, I, I would imagine virtual others or <laughs> accrediting mm-hmm. boards, like yeah. voices in their head saying like, no, you should be there for the client. You should like, you should put your personal stuff aside. You yes. should like, so yeah. That is that. one of the ghosts yep. of our profession yep. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the fear of what could happen if you were to permit whole self a whole self coming into the room mm. Ooh, that feels like a i mean what we talk about affect phobia all the time but that's a that's a hot take that's a hot take <laughs> yeah. yeah are we willing to look at our own affect phobias 
as therapists yeah and, and as a profession to yeah. control it yeah 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 it's a volatile variable mm. yep awesome chaos all right yeah i'm curious is there anything else from prepping the ground that felt like maybe we didn't touch on last time that um well i think it maybe not to address something we didn't acknowledge but to carry forward that when we talk about therapy at beyond and we said it this last weekend in the SIP training that it it really is a way of life yeah lifestyle lifestyle yeah. it's not a job yeah or it's at least it's impossible for me to really conceptualize it cuz i've had many the depth of it. jobs yeah. in yes. my life and yes. this takes up in like unimaginably more space in my life mm -hmm. and i think it's in part because of the depth of what i'm getting into every day it's also the whiplash of going from somebody who's talking about their neighbor doing something with their property line to a sexual abuse survivor yeah. to a grieving mother of a child that committed suicide like yeah that's a crazy amount of yeah. bandwidth. Autonomic. Yeah, to hold. Shifts, like yeah. when each of them, and I believe them, like each of them feel equally activated yeah. by those differences. Yeah. And that's just tough. Mm -hmm. And no other job has really asked me to, <laughs> to do that before. Yeah. And then you go home. And then you have to go home <laughs> yeah. and then get ready for the next day. Yeah. With all of the expectations and commitments and things that are there. Yeah. Because my six-month-old daughter does not care about <laughs> what I heard today. All. Like, yeah. like she just doesn't, she just yeah. wants me to pick her up and be dad. Yeah. And my wife is like, we have to wash bottles and make dinner and then talk about doing taxes and gross. Yeah. Like all <laughs> yeah. that stuff. Like yes. it's just a weird, so preparation in that context, I think becomes more alive for me when I actually think about the drive in. Yeah. And oh, I love this. And really having to be intentional because I know the drives where I haven't been intentional mm. and I've just been thinking about stuff. And then I show up and I feel off kilter spread. Yeah. Like I have to go through a couple sessions before I'm in the space of yeah. myself as a therapist. Mm -hmm. And then I know the drives that are like transcendent, <laughs> like they take me somewhere else to where I'm, I show up and I am ready. Yeah. And I don't really understand functionally the difference. Like, I don't think I messed up on the drives that didn't do that for yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could just like say a few like mantras and then be ready. Yeah. So it is, it has the illusion of predictability, but I don't think it's that simple. Yeah. In my life. Yeah. I, I, and I love, I think we can get so focused as therapists on the, the, I even think like the in room in the future that we forget about like the process of therapy outside every other moment of intervention. Like, like you were saying, like the drive in, can I actually like do that with a level of awareness, not to maybe always manipulate my autonomic state into being a more quote unquote presenced therapist. Yeah. But can I do it with some attunement and recognition of how I'm entering to then be in the flow of therapy in a certain way. Yeah. Um, I feel like when we're conceptualizing with client, like clinicians that we're 
in conversation with all the time, those become very like rounded convert, like conversational topics of like, yeah. Hey, what's your drive in? Like, what do you do between sessions? What's like, uh, what do you notice as you're like reading? Like, what's that like for you? Mm-hmm. Um, are we, are we there? Or are we not until we close the door? Like what's the moment of like, I'm yeah. here. Yeah. The entire mm-hmm. preparation column of the, like in the article, if you read it, there's a table that summarizes all these points, but the column of preparing the ground for me is summarized in the word intention mm-hmm. for myself. Yeah. That is the Q word that I've primed autonomically to mean what I feel this column means. Yeah. Intentional. Intentional. Be intentional. Mm-hmm. What does intention look like today? Who am I sitting with? What have we talked about? What am I curious about? Mm-hmm. Are there elements of their life that I want to pick back up today? Or am I just going in open and honest Yeah, and transparent? Where are we going to go? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There's, I find I'm usually walking in with like a, a little bit of a buffet option. Yep. Like there's two things, two or three things last, last week that were said that I'd either like to follow up on and or ask more questions about. But also you could throw me a curveball and we'll go with it. Like totally open. you want to go somewhere else, let's grip and rip. Like yep. we'll go. Yep. Um yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I feel good about that column. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well then we'll go on to the uh the easier column of the process of We're... presidents. No, I'm joking. Uh no no column was easy. No as, or was easy to read or is easy to be. Yeah. Um, but so they Similar to preparing the ground, they had kind of broken it up into pre-session and in life. In the process of presence, they give uh, three major um, like data points to describe um, what it means to be in the process of pr- being a, a presencing human. Um, and then they give more kind of more words beyond that to add context. Yep. Um, so... The three words for process are receptivity, inward attending, and extending con and making contact. So receptivity, inward attending, and extending in contact. Yes. And they don't speak to it necessarily in this way, but I do feel kind of a a rolling potential Mm. as you progress from pre-session to in session to into the experience of presence um, that depending on how preparation or intentionality has gone, mm. your ability to practice receptivity, to attend inwardly or to actually extend an authentic invitation for contact yeah. is going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you read through some of these, these ideas ex- expressed under each of those keywords, like sensory bodily receptivity, listening with the third ear, extrasensory perception and communication. Yeah. Like when we put on our polyvagal hat, those sound to me like social engagement qualities. Yeah. yeah. So there's got to be some attunement and, and congruence to our own autonomic flexibility and the priming that we've gone through. Like if you're coming in hot yeah. off of another session or like, let's say you're late to a session, yeah. like those abilities that live in a ventrally regulated system 
are going to feel far away and strenuous to access. Whereas if you're zenned out, flowing through yeah. a day, and you just pop into a room, you, you're already noticing things. Yeah. To me. Yeah. That are just coming up in your awareness that are like, dang, I'm on right now. Yeah. This is good. I feel like I can access a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we all know that. We all know the feeling of all of the states you just mentioned. Like I can, I can sense when I'm like, there's a clunkiness <laughs> and I don't know if it's in me or in them or in us, Yeah, but I'm curious. <laughs> yes. Versus like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm on right now. I'm pulling up stuff from three months ago on a whim yep, out of my stuff. embodied memory yeah. that is connecting to the present moment and we're lighting up. Yeah. Um, I love the the space to also name that that is there is I, ideal presence and real presence. Yeah, I had one last night uh, in a session that I remembered the name. <laughs> this is one of those moments. It's just like what the f- like. <laughs> yeah, I remembered the name of an ex girlfriend's mother that I had heard maybe one time, and it just like boop. Popped out of my mind. Yep. But I remember the session we talked about it and there was something about this mother that really represented some meaningful qualities. But when I said their name, my client didn't even really remember what I was talking about. Mm. So it was really strange, like reversal yeah. where I had to tell them the context of their past session. You know, you remember, <laughs> you remember this person's name. Yeah. They were like, uh, I was like that represented these things. And they, they had this like moment of, Oh, How do you remember that? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> That's what not the I was point. saying though. <laughs> you were talking about this. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, like yes. it was a really interesting moment where it just like popped into my head. Yeah. You should talk about this. Yeah. They're talking about it. They just don't know it. Yeah. Like, Oh dang. Which I, I think that's an interesting cause you're noting it. in life. They talk about pre-session. They don't talk about post-session. Yeah. Um, but that like ability to, also, we said, I think we said it on the podcast in order to remember, you have to first member. Yeah. And like this willingness to let yourself feel what was important in a moment. Yeah. And for maybe no reason at all, remember it, like plug it into your brain say like, for some reason that was like important. Yeah. That mom figure. Yeah. And, but then it also takes you being prepared in a certain, what you were calling like ventral social mm-hmm engagement state to be able to even have the neural uh functional connectivity just the potential the potential to grab something that far and bring it into the moment yeah um from something a year ago yeah that i heard one time yeah which is interesting. didn't remember on purpose yes which is interesting they do talk about timelessness they they talk about that more in the experiencing of presence yeah Um, but i think that's a great example as well as if you're if you're prepping the ground and like remembering following the session, like that gives way to the timelessness of therapy. Yeah. Um, I will say, and just on going into this process of presence section, I loved the inclusion of what could be called the intercorporeality. Yeah. Or the embodied enactments that take place in therapy. Um, Cause they talk a lot about, you know, being open, accepting, allowing, having a sort of sensory and body receptivity, 
listening with a third ear. This is all language to give to like that unconscious body-based way of um, attuning to or flowing with yeah. the client. Um, so if a client walks in the session and they're like talking at the speed of light and um, zooming in a sort of speed of therapy, noticing how mind body is just unconsciously shifting and responding. Yeah. Um, not in a good, bad way, but in a, what is happening yeah. to my presence in response to their presence. And in a curious and meaningful way. Totally. Like yeah. for me, I know that I have response patterns to some clients that want to match mm. mm -hmm. that speed or that tone. I also have clients that I know I want like unconsciously I'm talking about wanting like to offset yeah, or to balance yep, counter. or to even contradict sometimes. Yeah. Like my body moves in a different way. Yeah. Affectively. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. Like in, in terms of actively presencing, thinking about, I wonder what that is. Mm -hmm. that my body wants to go up and get them or wants to stand firm in the opposition. Yeah. Wants to kind of collude. Like, yeah. Yes. And, and like, I don't know about your experience, but in conceptualizing both as like a therapist myself, as a consultant and a trainer, that question of what does your body want to do in this moment? When we're talking about conceptualizing the moment of anxiety in the client or depression or whatever, like yeah, rage, what do you notice your body wanting to do? Like that question opens up so much because that you're getting into this unconscious zone of just raw body to body, mammal to mammal, yeah, implicit communication where we're we're in a dance. And I feel like it opens the door so much to a richer form of presencing, a, a more intentional. Yes, intentional was the word that was coming to my mind because for me, when I can spot that relationship, I can ask more questions for myself and for the client that get us to this place of attunement, which to me is the, one of the major goals that I have, regardless of the treatment plan or presentation or whatever. Yeah. How can we find a space where we click mm. and actually resonate together? Mm -hmm. And if I notice my body is unconsciously avoiding or a, a, like in this tug of war, mm -hmm. that's interesting. Like, yeah. I wonder what, what's up. Yeah. But that, did they notice that? Are we able to talk about it? Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> it's now become a mantra because you said it so many times in the training this weekend, but that's voice and choice. Like, <laughs> I know, dude. Can we bring You a, should listen a level? to my counseling office. Like it is like all the time I'm <laughs> talking about voice and things. choice, voice and choice. Yeah. Because it's such an easy delineation to me between our objectifying strategies of dysregulation, dissociation, yeah. low voice and choice to our way forward into more of a ventral path because to exercise voice and choice, you got to wake up some of that sympathetic oh, yeah. mobilization yeah. and purpose it towards authenticity. Yeah. Sometimes that means flipping over a table at a family dinner because you can't stand the enactments that are going on and the, the powerlessness yeah. of, I can't reach you. Yeah. We come to this place every time and I can't do anything to actually get us to talk about the real thing. Yeah. But then the choice part, do you want to do that? Yeah. What does it mean? Would it even be meaningful? Yeah. For you to flip the table over? Or is it just going to create more chaos? Yeah. 
more targets on your back. Yep. So then that now we're talking about a functional dissociation. Okay, you have to go to the family dinner because of whatever. That's you feel that you have to. Yeah. All right. What are we going to do to make it through it in a way that you don't forget yourself? Yes. And yeah. can come out and remember. Mhm. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty sick. That's yeah, that's way more than pretty <laughs> sick. That's pretty sick. That's just such a high level of like good. Oh, I think I think it's good. I mean, yeah. maybe people would disagree. For yeah, for me, it's good. <laughs> but such a good, because uh, w- in the article they talk so much about openness. Didn't do a word count, but it it shows up a lot. <laughs> yeah, and that's such an open posture to the to the future, the past. It's twenty three times. <laughs> I love it. And the presencing of how do I want to be with all that I am with my whole self, which maybe that's like the part, like maybe it's not a raw whole self, but it is the, um, intentioned and chosen self. Yeah. Um, that idea of openness, I know this is throwing us off and we've only got 20 more minutes, but I had an experience with a client last night that is, that was rare to me. And I, I named it in the session. It was, a mom and her son that I've seen for years. Um, and they alluded to something that had happened with the dad who is out of the picture, divorced mm. with his own family, whatever, but the son still goes in between yeah. the ping pong yep. of that. And they brought up this thing that had happened between the sibling of my client and their father that lit something up in me. I was like taken out of the room. Hmm. It was so bizarre. I, and I meant, and I said to the mom, like, I'm having a really hard time letting that go. Mm. The dynamic that unfolded between them. And it just like, I don't know. It like took all of that openness. And I felt like I was in the truck of the enactment that mm. they were talking about happening. Mm-hmm. And I was just like staring at the father. Yeah. Just like ripped out of the room. Mm. And I was, and my clients playing with Legos, and I'm like, <laughs> like Heavy, struggling in space time. time. Traveling. Yeah, yeah, I'm like teleporting, like in real time, quantumly entangled between yes. myself and that <laughs> and memory that, you never lived, never but lived. No, but I'm feeling it. Yeah, and it it sucked. Yeah, it was so hard to return. Can I? Hey, can yeah. I, like, I'm curious, like. That's a level of presence. I'm curious how they responded. We have a dynamic where me saying stuff like that is pretty normal. Okay. And so my client kind of like always gives me like a, like a side tilted, like, what are you talking about? Yeah. The mom feels it. Okay. And I think really appreciates it. Okay. Because it's like a me too. Like, yeah. She sees me going through something that she goes through, wanting to be there for one child when reeling over the way something has happened to the other. Yeah. And, but you know that not through the language, right? But through the, to use language of the article, through your open and receptive like posture of seeing the impact of the words, like seeing the eyes that say me too, seeing the the face that leans in. Because of the dynamic between them. She's really concerned that she gives him more grief to process through that's not his. Mm. So it's very hesitant to put things into spoken language. 
in the session. Yeah. And so it is a lot of body. And when I mm -hmm. said that, I was looking at her and she, her face softened almost into a tearful mm. silence. Yeah. And her, we just kind of stood, sat there in a moment of, of inaudible realization. Yeah. Cool. And I love it. I love the use the word realization, like to make real. Yep. Like to sit in the making real of something. Yeah. And just to sit in it. Yeah. And, oof. and it's untouchable. That was the whole thing of that dynamic. We're not in any degree yeah. of influence to that. Yeah. But we're feeling it. Yeah. And it's real in the session. Yeah. And it has a direct impact on my client. But I can't talk to like. Yeah. It's not about him. Mm -hmm. So it felt, yeah, there was that immaterial yeah. powerlessness. But to give voice to it opens us up to, like, do we want to sit there or not? Yeah. Um, which I'm sure the kid answered. Uh, yeah. Probably through his body, I would yeah. imagine. He likes to uh, loudly rummage through the Lego box <laughs> when he's uncomffortable <laughs> yes. and wanting to silence anything. Like, <laughs> and it's such a I high said. pitch. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you hear me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Amazing. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I just love talking about therapy in this way. I don't know if yeah. people love listening to it in this way, but like so human. Yeah. Like to to be able to not do I don't know what I'm speaking to, but I feel like there's a virtual other or like this negative representation of the over analytical therapist yeah. that is noticing too much reading into too much thinking of too much yeah too in their head aware of too much all that what like the way we're talking with a level of attention and openness feels like the middle ground between the therapist as like leader or master and the like over analytical yeah and it's like this like um Lacan uses the um, conductor yeah. as like a metaphor for the analyst of like, you're not in your, control. Yeah. No, you felt the music of that moment. You sat in the music. You maybe even accented it mm -hmm. said, okay, cellos, can you Let's bring give up a little a bit, bit more? more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can we crescendo a little bit? Yeah. You invited. But then let the musicians play yeah. and see that? what happens. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And to read from the article in the inward, inwardly attending being authentic the inward component of congruence is also a natural manifestation of presence the therapist's feelings are available and the therapist is willing to experience them in the relationship with the client if it is of therapeutic benefit to the client mm. that for me is validating of that moment because it was so universal to their experience of the dynamic in the family and briefly mentioned just in a casual description of a sequence of relational events but it carried so much weight yeah. that it hit my body like a ton of bricks and shot me into rage instantly yeah but it's it, it's not i'm going to use the word appropriate not not meaning bad yeah but it's not directed at anyone in this room yeah it's about them out there mm -hmm. but i'm feeling it so I have a choice of like, because uh, I tried initially, I heard about it and I just kind of nodded my head and then I felt it boiling 
in me. And so mm-hmm. I tried to play with him a little bit with some Legos and I just couldn't shake it. And yeah. so I, that's when I shared having a really hard time getting past what you just described. Yeah. Feels very in line with when they talk about the self as instrument that in this inwardly attending posture of a, a present therapist, they're, they're owning what's them, mm. not in a way of um, doing a solo in a song, but by way of orchestrating with yeah. the moments. And yeah. Um, if, and I, oh, go ahead. Well, I love that picture of the conductor to examine the inwardly attending versus the extending in contact. Because how many feelings does the conductor have of how the moment's unfolding? Oh, yeah. That don't come out. Yeah. In the extend to contact mm. kind of outward expression of congruence that they talk about. Um, a delicate balance. Oh, yeah. Because the conductor that, over, that is overbearing, the musicians aren't going to play mm-hmm. the way that they could. But if the conductor's hands off, they're not going to be together yeah. in the way that they could. Yes. They're not going to be together. That's beautiful. I love that. Just in, and by way of like um, presence together, but like spell it with a W. Right. Together, like the number two. Yeah. Um, that's what we're trying to presence into. Mm. Um, yeah. Love that. Well, so you just, you kind of, so we talked a little bit about receptivity. They have a high em- emphasis on body receptivity mm. to the unconscious information of the room. They're not using any of that language. But that's my language. We're reading into it. Yeah. Um, then move into inwardly attun- uh, attending, using the self as instrument, uh, increased creativity and spontaneity, a sort of trust in the authentic- authenticity of the room, and then returning to the present moment whenever we do something, which exemplified so beautifully in that example of like, Noticing your body shot into the past of a memory and then came back and sat with it, knowing that if we wanted to all consent to go to the past, we could, but not without all parties consent, voice and choice. Yeah. And then into the extending and making contact, the the actually engaging or getting put like a very unprofessional way of saying that is get your, get some skin in the game. Yeah. Like show up. Yeah. Put yourself out there in a vulnerable way in therapy. Um, One thing that sometimes I'm checking myself with, because I have a high tendency to merge in therapy, which is just a personality strategy that I have that I'm working on. (laughs) It's not good, bad, but it (laughs) it causes problems sometimes. It hides things. (laughs) It hides things, yes. The, The thing that I'm sometimes challenging myself with is, am I... Am I giving the opportunity to the client to tell me no? Like, cause I can just get in the rhythm of going with, but this like being vulnerable and extending and making contact with the client is like the heart of it feels like, am I giving them an opportunity to say like, that's not quite it. Or like, um, I don't want to do that. Or like, yeah, you got that wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. When I thinking about ex- going into the experience of presence, your idea of merging mm. is, they talk about immersion mm. in this and say that the experience of presence includes experiencing deeply with non-attachment, which involves being open and willing to be a part of whatever experience is emerging while not attaching to it. 
That's a very subtle, individualized process for both the therapist and the client. Yeah. To merge, to me, sounds like, to use this language, it, it, is, it is immersing to experience deeply with unconscious attachment. Mm. Like mm-hmm. you didn't realize that now that is yours. Yeah. And yours is that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am what you're feeling. Right. Yeah. And it would just, oh, man, it's so tough because <laughs> in my consultation, I'm, I'm sort of inviting that idea as an exercise to explore the intuition of the therapist, mm. like to get them to connect with the feeling of what the client might be going through as a primary tool for discovery mm. for what these strategies are doing. Yeah. Like it is a, it is a, a delicate balance between losing yourself in the merge versus inhabiting for a moment mm-hmm. to understand or yeah. contextualize. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if like that tuning versus attaching. Yeah. Attaching. Interestingly, I would, I latching, latching, like latching onto oh, yeah, feels yeah. like different than attaching to or does it feel to? like a tune attach latch? Like, Yes. On a spectrum yes. of yeah. merge. Yeah. 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 Like if I'm attuned, I'm I'm in that dialectic of holding myself and them. Yeah. If I'm attached, yeah. Lost a go bit of either myself. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Versus latched. like latched. Like I'm just like, yep. We are we. Yep. Like, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. or me. I'm you. That yep. guy sucks. Like, yeah. <laughs> Tell me where we're going. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You're the head. I'm that the body. That guy sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Expansion. Expansion. Let's get some. Let's expand inward. Yeah. And outward. So yeah. So we had just to give readers an awareness. We've gone from preparation to presence. Now we're in the experiencing presence with the immersion. Yeah. Now, expansion. Yeah. I love their their concept of timelessness. Oh especially in moments of presence that's where sessions are unbelievably short yeah in my mind like in my awareness and yet so long oh yeah it's crazy yeah but it's such a intangible quality that feels like we have to arrive there we can't find it Mm -hmm. we just have to be yeah but uh, it's emergent yeah like i only know it after it happened Mm. i can't plan for it yes it's just this connection yeah. 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 I, there's so many examples of that and like little like nuances, but I, I love the, particularly in guiding clients and even myself into those moments of breath, breathing and being that where five minutes feels like it's been forever and not enough. Yeah. Like, and, and with clients even getting into that space of like, I don't know if we're talking about the future past or present, but I'm here. And like, I use the language a lot of like dreaming with clients. Mm. Like dreams are so timeless. We don't even, do we have a million dreams a night? Do we have one dream a night? Nobody really knows, but we're dreaming. Yeah. And it feels like it spans forever. And that embodied concept feels like it just attunes to some part of me that feels this with my clients. That yeah. ability to 
to transcend the limits of 50 minutes to 90 minutes. Yeah. Timelessness. Which is interesting that grounding comes after timelessness. Yeah. Centered, <laughs> steady, and whole. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's, I think that's to the author's credit. I think what they're probably experiencing and reading the reports from therapists is a ton of tension, not in a bad way, but in a dialectic way. Dialectic like, way. Yeah. I mean, we're going to become timeless and expansive, but also be grounded. Yeah. They include a, a brief transcript from one of the therapists that I feel like embodies what you're saying. It's like being, feeling so steady so the client can go through all that they, all that, and you are really aware of that terrible suffering and the details of the suffering, but you feel so steady that it does not touch you. Mm. Bang. Feel so steady that it does not touch you. Oh. That's some pretty dope language. That is dope. Yeah. And like, I, even there, like, <laughs> yeah. I think I have like, that's have, tough. Yeah. Yeah. Does it touch you? It, in some ways, I would say, like, you have to be touched. I don't think it's impo- I don't think it's possible to avoid it. Yeah. Like, that's an interesting, like, intellectual idea. Yeah. To not be touched. Yeah. By the sentiment and impression of someone else's presence. Yeah. Interesting idea. I don't know if it's possible. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. meaningful. Yeah. Which does hit, like, the the concept of, like, what maybe we're trying to do is put approximations to an embodied reality that cannot just be one thing. One way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that all this language could just be like a, there's an opposite end of every word used. There's a, a spectrum, that, a spectrum to it. Yeah. Um, Cause to that therapist, I would have a lot of questions about, why steady feels so important. Mm. I imagine they'd talk about being a guide mm. or a safe holding place. Yeah. But does it also connote a sense of abstraction mm. to be above but not with? Staying untouched. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where I was like, I wonder what it means, what the desire of being untouched is and not to say that's wrong but to look at it and say like yeah well maybe that maybe you the therapist feels like they need to be presenced in that way for the client yeah well i mean in the linguistic pattern of the the language they used i would say that so steady that it does not touch you that the touch you is the negative mm-hmm. yes. in the phrasing of the, yeah. Oh yeah. Of the transcript. Yeah. That is a somewhat of a feared thing or a, a bad thing that you want to avoid. Yeah. So, and that steady is somehow the inverse higher attribute to be a, 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 a um, to hold as a goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that you're not touched. Yeah. So steady so that you're, Hmm. all i'm saying is it's interesting that's all i'm saying yeah uh that is the gist that's the gist of the article how would you feel about we do another episode i love it i thought you were gonna close no sick what if we did another episode where we just talked about the potential like 
our experience of both personal and professional blind spots. Our own discussion in, section. In presencing. Yeah. Um, and, I love it. Yeah. Because in the spirit of presence. And it's timelessness. And it's timelessness. We were just so into the article that we didn't have time to ask the application questions. So let's just prepare the ground to have that conversation next time. And if you're listening and that excites you, awesome. If you're like, I'm tired of this article, uh, which is the way you're choosing to presence, and that's okay, um, maybe skip next episode. Maybe, <laughs> But don't, because it's, I think it'll but be But also, cool. how could you skip yeah. <laughs> Um Yeah, because we're going to be going through, if you didn't like this article, <laughs> you're not going to like There's the more. next couple, <laughs> just to be honest. Because the what's up after after we process this article is presence psychotherapy and then revolutionizing addiction treatment with the felt sense polyvagal model, which mm. spoiler alert has a lot of presencing assumed in the posture of the therapist. You can't get away from it. So that's what I'm saying. If you don't like it, <laughs> yeah, go within. Maybe take a look inside. Maybe ask why does it make sense that I don't like to talk about presence. That's a dangerous question. <laughs> that is a dangerous question. You better be ready. Don't for answer what that comes without out. a co-regulatory source. Yeah, I would. I would take that one to a trusted <laughs> witness, colleague, or friend, Someone or knows partner. You. Don't therapist. don't ask that on your drive, <laughs> unless you're ready. Unless It'll, you've been doing preparatory work, maybe you've been. How do you feel about the ground? black holes? Because <laughs> that is one at the center of your universe. Yeah. Okay. Like. <laughs> It's dense. It's super dense, unimaginably dense, so dense that its gravity alone makes no light be able to escape it. Anyway. Anyway, welcome to therapy and welcome to Evidence-Based Therapist, where we read so you don't have to. See you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and that it will help you stay curious and create community around discussing the research that matters most to clinicians and researchers. If you're curious to learn more about something you heard today, check out our website at www.beyondhealingcenter.com and go to the trainings tab for more information on our upcoming case conceptualization trainings and community events. You can also contact us by emailing trainings at beyondhealingcenter.com. If you want to stay connected, Please subscribe to this podcast for more episodes. Leave us a review and follow us on social media by searching the Evidence-Based Therapist Podcast. <laughs>